0: Welcome to Too Deep Hokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthod, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Miami beat Virginia Tech twenty-eight to ten, making us both look foolish with our predictions. Robbie, give us a cheers.
1: How about uh, cheers to basketball coming back? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, uh, actually, yeah, the basketball is on its way back. And pretty soon we'll have some games to be talking about. There's already an exhibition game and hats off to the basketball team. I saw them doing some charity work. I believe it was yesterday alongside with the South Carolina Gamecock folks. Um, So cheers to those guys. I always like seeing people do good stuff. So uh, how about that? Basketball coming back and uh, a cheers to some of the charity work they were doing.
0: I like it. Cheers. It's a good way to start off our news and notes right there. We did beat South Carolina in that exhibition game. And they were a Final Four team last year. I'm not sure how much they lost or not, but it was a good solid win for being an exhibition. Won by 19 points, didn't even have Justin Bibbs. And the freshman, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, he led the team with 18 points. So that was nice to see. And I thought he uh, he was looking pretty beefy compared to like some of his high school games that I saw on ESPN He was much bigger and he could very well be our leading scorer this year. So we're going to see how it goes, but we're going to be small ball for life this season. (laughs) To, To the extreme, small ball. Let's get into the football stuff. We have to. There were some changes in the polls due to our loss to Miami, which we will recap here in a minute. Virginia Tech's now 17th in the AP poll and 17th in the newly released college football playoff rankings which is not as bad as i expected but when you take into account all the losses because of seven top 25 matchups and penn state and ohio state going down uh, it was there's a lot of destruction so we stayed in the teens we're 18th in the S P plus 13th in sagarin which is kind of hilarious cuz we're one spot ahead of miami even though they beat us by 18 points <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was uh, pretty outrageous. I I thought 17 um, was still given... If you watched the game, I think it was a little bit more favorable than I expected us to be. I thought we were going to drop into the 20s. I think you probably thought the same. Um, After watching that game, it did not feel like we should be the 17th ranked team in the country.
0: No, and there are some reasons that... It couldn't have gone that big of a margin, but reasons that it could have been an even bigger margin. So you're right. I thought we would drop into the 20s, but I just think with so many teams losing and the way they evaluate it just with straight up, like, who have you played? Who have you beaten? Margin sometimes gets lost now in the CFP rankings. Uh, Beating teams senseless can help you, but losing a 18-point, less than three touchdown game doesn't hurt you as much as it uh could i suppose right the gt game time is set for this upcoming weekend it's a twelve twenty game so not quite a nooner but pretty close and i feel like that's good for us not having to play at georgia tech at night as we have the last three times we've gone down there although those three times have all been victories
1: yeah, almost a nooner. We we got a little 20 minutes of leeway there, again, with an awkward kickoff time. But uh, I prefer this to be a day game, except for the fact that we lost, uh, I guess you would call it a full day, that people could be yeah. getting rested. So uh, every hour kind of counts, given that travel back was such a disaster. Yeah, it took the team
0: what, 18 hours to get back or something. They flew into Roanoke. There was fog. They had to go to Raleigh. Then they tried Roanoke again, had to go to Tennessee, and then bus back to Blacksburg. And I think they got back at like 3 p.m. on Sunday from the 8 o'clock start of the game on Saturday night. Just just brutal uh, for the team. And we'll we'll talk about that a little later too, but let's get into the recap. And the highlight of the first quarter – For Virginia Tech was the fourth down stop on Miami at the two. Mook stuck Homer for a three-yard loss, but there wasn't a whole lot else to cheer about if you're a Virginia Tech fan in that first quarter. Miami's next drive, they went nine plays, 87 yards, and got the TD to Berrios, who was a problem all night long. Less than three minutes later, Miami got the long TD on the rush by Homer to make it 14-0. After that, we finally put a decent couple plays together, Josh seemed to be in control, and I started to feel like, okay, he looks like he's settling in, and before that bad pitch, we had gone 50 yards in about 8 plays, but the bad pitch led to a long field goal attempt, which Joey made, which was nice, a 50-yarder, and Adonis intercepted Rozier, and we were driving again right after that, so it looked like we were going to be able to cut that 14-3 lead, maybe to 14-10, at least to 14-6, and then just Helmet on the football in Savoy's hands, popped out. Miami got the turnover, and it was pretty much halftime. That was a deflating turnover.
1: Yeah, and we we were texting about that turnover. Um, and you know, I understand protecting the football. I think there was a couple different viewpoints there. That was a pure helmet on the football that when that thing popped out I that had to be nearly impossible for to hold on to and Savoy's not that big of a dude we're not talking about a uh, you know a large running back that's used to taking hits like that and the helmet was right on the ball so I can only put so much blame it was just really shitty timing for it and where we were in field position that made it even more unfortunate
0: so 14 to 3 at the half but we intercepted Rozier to start the third quarter, Floyd with a nice interception play and ran it all the way back to, what, like the 17-yard line or so?
1: Yeah. I think that's
0: Led right. to our only TD of the night on the uh, short rush by Josh Jackson. And then we intercepted Rozier for the third drive in a row on the next drive, but couldn't couldn't capitalize. Miami made us pay by scoring in two plays on the long run by the tight end Herndon. That made it 21-10. to 10. And you're starting to feel like we're not going to come back. And then Josh threw his first interception. Miami scored their last TD on the uh, the run by Rozier, which was set up on the long pass by Richards. And 28-10, to 10, we followed it up with a punt, fumble. Josh threw a second interception, and the game was over. It wasn't a good fourth quarter, but I, I thought the defense played to the end. Well, we just didn't make enough plays and made too many mistakes.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think I don't know what your thoughts were as you were watching the game, but as soon as I saw, well, let's take it in a couple pieces. 9 rushes on our first 10 plays I thought was interesting at best. And I'm not going to get into, you know, criticizing the coaching staff too much because I think the game overall was just out of hand for us, but that just seems suspect suspect the, uh, I guess you could call it the hook shot uh, pass, um, had me concerned that we were using something like that pretty early in the game. <laughs> <laughs> that was a
0: little ad libbing by Josh on that. You're talking about that, like option pass essentially that he whipped out to I think it was McLeese or McMillan
1: yeah and it was a hook shot I mean it was literally he threw it over his head it looked like uh white man can't jump like that 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 hook shot that they used in the game that didn't there were make a lot of good. lucky
0: plays uh that Josh had like the one that he threw up and then Cam just timed the jump better and got yep uh there was a couple of ones that could have gone much more poorly and we've seen that throughout the last few games with Josh, just narrowly missing, turning it over a couple times. And it caught up to us a little bit here. But if you would have told me that Rozier would go 10 for 21 with three interceptions, we'd have 42 yards rushing in the first quarter and cam would go over a hundred yards receiving. I'd say we won by what? Two scores, yeah. maybe 17 points. Yep. And we lost. And the, the problem was we turned it over four times ourselves and just the big plays, That were given up by the defense. I mean, Miami had three scoring drives that were three plays or less.
1: Yeah. That's crazy. We let another quarterback dash us, which is becoming almost inexplicable at this point. That, I mean, Brazier is, he's not a world beater from a running standpoint, and he made it look like he was. Um, We managed 102 yards on 43 rushes, which is impressive, I guess. Um, (laughs) And in a bad way. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they had 219 yards on 35 carries. So, um, you know, we went, you know, 20 for 32, but it certainly didn't feel that way. Yeah. And then Rosier only went 11 for 23. But um, you're, to your point, they were all big plays. They averaged 19.1 yards per catch. Um, that is incredible and was m- more than double what we averaged in this game.
0: That's crazy, man. Rosier's running really did kill us. If you took out the sacks we had, we had two sacks, he had 96 yards rushing on 11 carries. That's 8.7 yards per carry from the quarterback. Great blocking downfield, too, by a lot of Miami's wide receivers on multiple plays helped them get a lot of big gains. I want to go back and say again that the D didn't play horrible, but they weren't good, and the, the big plays just got them. To their credit, they did give us three turnovers, but we only scored off of one of those. And when it came right down to it, we were giving up seven and a half yards per play. That's atrocious. You're not going to win any game giving up more than seven yards per play. It's it's highly unlikely.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. And then you go on the flip side of that is if you give that up and then you go three for 14 on third down and then 0 for three on fourth down... The game's over. It's it's yeah. just done. There's just no, no way. And in fact, the the, the Miami only having 28 points was really kind of lucky because it at least should have been 35. I mean, we got that great stop. You know, at the whatever the three yard line, it True. was a tremendous stop and credit to the defense. But that should have been seven points right there. It should have been like
0: 35-10. Well, I'll say in the reverse of that, the first play from scrimmage. Trayvon McMillan came through the hole and shoestring tackle on him. He was potentially to the house. It could it have been seven nothing. Yeah. In yep. in the blink of an eye, Virginia Tech. And how much would that have changed the game? So yeah, you know, they could have had that touchdown, but we could have started off seven nothing. So uh what what can you do? It it I think the score when it comes down to it was about right. you know, you are, it is what the final score is sometimes. Um, And yeah, they could have had more, but we could have had more. And we just didn't play well. We needed to play a really, really good game, if not our best game to win down there. And that became clear once the, the game got kicked off. I mean, that crowd in that stadium really surprised me. There was a lot of energy and it was loud And it kind of blew me away, and I was like, crap, we are going to have a hard time tonight.
1: Yeah, and I think we, um, you know, you and I talked about it offline after, after our last recording when you and I were just, you know, kind of talking back and forth, and you give a coach like that the type of talent that Miami has, and they have not lived up to it thus far this year, but on any given night and an 8 p m game with that type of crowd with that level of talent no you can't say that Miami doesn't have talent they absolutely do uh, they walk into talent every year because they're it, you know Miami's filled with it and you know you give Mark Rick that type of talent on a on a big important game and i think they outschemed us quite frankly and that came th- through the first half i had no expectation that after watching the first half that we were going to win that game which is unfortunate and it felt different than some of the other games that we've come back and and really, you know, made it, made it, uh, interesting.
0: It really did. Uh, It was just 14 to three, which isn't the biggest deficit. And then we made it 14 to 10, but it still just didn't feel good. Like, yeah, I was starting to turn, especially when we're intercepting him over and over again. I'm like, okay, but we weren't doing enough to give me the confidence that we were going to be able to maintain anything. And there were moments that I thought Josh looked calm. He was making reads and the right checks, but they were so brief and they weren't, uh, you know, wasn't consistent and it didn't keep happening. And it just, it just went the wrong way, man. Yeah. And they weren't a good rushing defense. And we only had what, a hundred yards on them. We're now the lowest yards per carry. Uh, in the ACC, in ACC play, we're only getting 3.76 yards per carry in ACC play and 4.87 yards per play overall in the ACC. The only teams below us offensively are UNC, UVA, and Duke. BC is ahead of us in yards per play in conference. BC. That's, Scott that's, Leffler. That's bad.
1: <laughs> has <laughs> Wait, a better yards we per fired play him. than we did. Wait, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what the other thing was? I, the... Um, Losing Nijman, I think, actually ended up having a bigger impact than I would have expected. Mm -hmm. I was sitting next to French at first down watching the game. And right, I think it was right in the beginning of the first quarter, um, Osterlo missed that block, completely missed the block. And I looked over at French. I said, who the hell was that? And he was like, "Uh, yeah, that's a problem. That was Osterlo. He completely missed that block. And it just blew up the play. And right then it was early and the score never really got too far out of hand, but I was like, oh, we're, we're, we're not in good shape for this game. <laughs>
0: yeah. We didn't really talk about Osterlaw having to replace Nijman in our last podcast. Cause we weren't even sure if it was going to happen, but yeah, Nijman was not a go even close when it really came down to it. And Osterlaw hasn't played this year. And then he has to start playing against one of the best D lines in college football bad situation a bad situation indeed that nishman missing that did hurt us for sure and hopefully he's back soon i don't i don't know if he'll be back this week or not there's a bunch of injury stuff i mean you saw adonis pull his hamstring that's how uh miami got their last touchdown was because amon richards beat him because he fell down with the hamstring i don't think adonis is going to play this week I, i'm j- that's just a guess and i guess it's a good team to go Without one of your best corners, because it's a triple option team you shouldn't if you can lose the Donnas for one game it's a good game to lose them for
1: yeah uh, I think uh and there was some bad tackling on the outside that happened as well. Terrell on that long run for the touchdown, just everybody took a bad angle on that one. There was just a lot of plays that just kind of stood out where. Um, and, and I'm not pinning this on the defense whatsoever, but it just wasn't a very crisp game, I think on either side of the ball overall. And I think both sides, wish they could, you know, kind of get a redo on that. People were kind of bent
0: out of shape about the penalties. I didn't think it was that bad. Yeah. You could or could not have called the two PIs on Alexander or the Reggie Floyd personal foul. That was the one a lot of people were angry about, and I, I, hey, I'm I'm with them, you know, like I'm a tech fan, so of course that that looks bad to me, but it wasn't as bad as some of the other games we've had this year. To me, uh, I
1: don't know. And they they said they resubmitted that um, the Reggie Floyd back to the ACC. I don't know if you caught that today. Yeah, they I saw resubm- that, and they said they would have called it again. So they reevaluated it and said they still would have called it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think one of the pass interference calls was really bad. I thought the other one was just a, you know, whatever. It was a 50-50 whether they were going to call it or or not. One of them kind of sucked, but I I don't think penalties were not the name of the, you know, the reason for this for this loss whatsoever. No. We got
0: beat pretty soundly by a good team on the road. It could have gone differently. Maybe if McMillan pulls off that first play of the game, uh we don't turn it over so much. But we would have had to play a lot better in a in a lot of different aspects to win that game. And I just want to put it behind me. <laughs> so yeah. That's kinda I'm ready to move on.
1: I and the interesting part was did you watch um uh the game day? Um what's his name that does the picks for them? Uh I'm blanking. the Bear, Chris Felicia. Yeah. And they talked about the Virginia Tech uh, Miami game, and he got pissed off because we kind of did ourselves in on this front and just, you know, for the Virginia Tech fan base to keep in mind. We gave them so much bullets and, you know, board material just to hang on the locker because everybody was calling for Virginia Tech to get the W all week, and we were just feeding miami so much incentive to come out there and kick our ass to the point that the bear on game day was talking about literally how everybody has already kind of concluded that virginia tech was going to win this game we didn't do ourselves any favors whatsoever
0: well was it really us or was it just national media picking us and podcast guys picking us like us two idiots
1: (laughs) uh i think i think it was a little bit of both i mean the the message boards that at least I track were far more confident about Virginia Tech in a game on an 8 p.m. on the road than I probably would have expected. Um, so I, I started, started to think it was feel that buff. way
0: too, though. I didn't think we were going to win big. I just thought we were going to pull it off. That's all. And I was dead wrong. This yep. offense has some serious issues, and that's a good defense. Yeah, I'm uh,
1: I'm severely concerned about our run game at this point. If I walked away with one takeaway from that game, it's yeah. w- we've got to figure out something outside of Savoy on a jet sweep, right? That that uh, and it, I, I'm not trying to be crass or rude or anything to the the offense, but we need to figure out something on on the run game because overall throughout this course of this year, it hasn't been great. No.
0: No, and it wouldn't have been great last year either without Gerard muscling his way for so many yards. I mean, he was our leading rusher. So, yep, it's uh, it's a scheme thing, it's a talent thing, uh, and I tend to lean scheme just because Trayvon McMillan was a thousand yard rusher with Scott Leffler at the helm. So he's capable, and he looked looks good at times, very good, but we just we just can't do it consistently, and I teams I think are keying scheme. on it. Teams are keying on it too, forcing Josh to try and beat them. And he is not ready against those really, really good defenses right now.
1: Yeah. And if I had to summarize my thoughts, it's, if I, if I looked at it all as, you know, all these are just little pixels that create an image. And if I thought of what I think about the rush offense overall for the season, and we're pretty far into it now is it looks like we're running the ball to set up the pass. If, where it yeah. doesn't never look like we're running to actually run the ball. It looks like we're running to open up the pass, and that's, just, that's not how this works. You need to have a rush attack that people can at least be fearful of because right now it just looks like it, we're trying to it, – it's good. It works great. Sometimes it sets Josh Jackson up for some great long passes, and it helps us, but it doesn't look like we're rushing to actually get yardage. It looks like a scheme um, that we're trying to set up the pass.
0: Yeah, let's hope we can find something over these next couple weeks in the run game. I'm ready to take a beer break, man, and and just uh, get on to GT because there's still a lot in front of this team. Three more conference games, a chance of 10 wins. So let's have a beer and uh, put it behind us. What are you drinking?
1: So I'm going to be a little bit... Um... Boring, uh, feel free to skip past mine if you're listening to the podcast. If you're not into IPAs, um, uh, but I have them in my fridge and I didn't have time because of work to go get something. So, right now, Aslin Beer Company, I'm having the Master of Oranges double IPA, it's 8.4%. Aslin is a very popular brewery in, uh, in the Northern Virginia area. Um, And this is a mix of two of their very highly touted uh, IPAs that have been very successful. And they took both of those recipes and they kind of combined them into this Master of Oranges. Delicious. Highly suggested. Can't buy it in stores. You have to actually go and do pickup there. Um, But I would absolutely suggest it. It's on Thursdays they do pickups if you're in the Northern Virginia area for um, can releases.
0: Nice. And you tweeted out a picture of that and someone pointed out that it has UVA colors on it.
1: I'm an idiot and I couldn't understand what the, what was that reference to? And then you had to fill me in. (laughs) I'm drinking the modern
0: times black house, which is their coffee stout. And they're one of the only breweries in the country to roast their own coffee. So this is really, really good coffee flavored beer. Uh, You had a Modern Times on the podcast, the Amber, I believe, and I love their can artwork and just their logo and everything, and their beers are really good as well. I've had a a couple of their beers, and I I love Coffee Stouts. If you listen to the podcast, you know I love coffee beers, so I really like this. Modern Times, if you can find it near you, I would try it. It's all the way from San Diego, so I'm not sure it's everywhere, but it's getting more and more distribution, I think.
1: Yeah, it's getting pretty popular, and I love that the can—it's modern times, but the can looks retro. <laughs> yeah, so it's—it's it's a perfect play off of. Uh, it looks like a, like a twenty-two ounce, uh, you know, Schlitz or something from. Yeah,
0: uh, it's got that <laughs> cursive writing on it. Uh, Georgia Tech—they're four and four, and they're three and three in the ACC. They started off the year with that game against Tennessee, where they just were seemingly scoring at will and running at will, and then they ended up losing, and that's kind of been uh, a theme for their season. They they play well, and then they, they lose close games. They lost to Miami just barely, although you could say Miami really should have won that game uh, based on the yardage and everything else. They lost to UVA just last weekend in a game where maybe they were the better team, but made a lot of mistakes and they had some guys out with injuries too but overall uh, georgia tech is 50th in the s p but 25th in sagarin you'll notice that sagarin's a little out of whack i already said that we were ahead of miami in his rankings he has penn state at two still so i'm not so sure how much you can put into the sagarin rankings right now
1: yeah uh, and one more point on that is also the S P is all screwed up this year too and bills come out i i don't know if you've listened to his podcast i, I do. always do he's he's a nerd and i love him for it and he's admitted that the s&p is just a disaster right now given you know he's compared this to the 2007 season which uh if you're familiar with 2007 was just absolutely atrocious where everybody that was number 2 i think seven number 2 teams in the country lost during that season and he's compared it to how difficult it would be to put together anything that would judge, um, you know, how good any given team is.
0: I like the Massey composite. I think it's Kenneth Massey. He was one of the BCS computer rankings. He has a composite which compiles like 68 to 80 different computer rankings and, and some human rankings. That composite has Georgia Tech at 37. So if anything could put them somewhere, I feel like that's about as accurate as you can do if you're doing you know an average of 80 rankings. So They're probably a top 40 team, but maybe a little bit worse. It's hard to say. And it, it's game to game with Georgia Tech. We've beaten them three straight times, as I said, when we've gone down to Atlanta. Uh, and I like the fact that we get to play them at noon because th- since they just lost to UVA, I don't know how many students are actually going to show up in Bobby Dodd. I wouldn't expect it to be much. <laughs> um, the, us having to travel again this week and having just gone to Miami and all the rigmarole we had to go through to get home, I'm wondering if the travel will be a negative and, and just it, it'll wear on the guys or if it'll kind of be like a unifying thing for them this week.
1: Yeah, no, that's an interesting point. And for, for Georgia Tech, it's no cakewalk either. I mean, they're coming off of a close loss to UVA that went right down to the wire, and they had a shot to win it um, right up until the end of the fourth quarter. And before that, they had Clemson. So uh, this team, granted, in, in some ways... Uh, what's the best way to put this? The triple option isn't as taxing because you can kind of swap people in and out, if that makes sense. Um, it, from you know your your a back, your b backs, they're a little bit interchangeable, and it's more reliant on the system than it is necessarily on the talent. Obviously, talent helps, but it's more reliant on the system. So uh, I don't know what. What they're coming off of, Um, I haven't seen much from them in terms of injuries and things like that. Seems like they're relatively healthy. Our guys, I am a little bit worried. To your point, Uh, it could be unifying, but we're at that point where there's nothing necessarily that we're playing for from the ACC Coastal perspective. You know what I mean? That that's not a great place to come off of that type of loss on the road, you have the travel problems coming back. People are tired, beat up Alexander's beat up. And then you also aren't playing for the coastal anymore. And that can be a rough spot.
0: Yeah. And I think when it, if you take everything into account, these two teams are in very similar places. They're both coming off disappointing losses. They've both had some slobber knocking affairs recently. And it's just gonna be a rock fight with these guys this weekend. It's it's not gonna be fun to watch. I I don't think it's gonna be fun to watch. I just want us to win desperately. That's 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 really just all I can say. I hate playing Georgia Tech. No one. I don't think anyone I know likes watching this game or looks forward to this game. I feel like we look forward to Miami and maybe even look forward to playing UNC and UVA. But I never look forward to playing Georgia Tech, not under Coach Paul Johnson.
1: No, it's horrible. And uh, I tweeted out a picture which um, of the UVA uh, practice. Somebody snapped a photo of um, the UVA practice squad out there um, cut blocking, chop blocking, really. Uh, that's how they were practicing was they had their scout team out there chop blocking um, their offensive um or sorry, the, the the defensive line. And that's that's also part of it. I know that Paul Johnson wants to always say, oh, everybody does it, everybody does it. But it's well-established amongst all ACC coaches that it's dirty, it's dangerous, and they continue to do it. It's not just a reputation thing, and he can talk it away as much as he wants. But this is a dangerous game for, for players, and that pisses me off. And that makes it even more... Uh, difficult you're going up against triple option and then you got to worry about injuries as well
0: for sure there's a lot of keys to this game we'll get to a little later but let's just get some of the numbers out there and just who we have to look out for in the game their offense is 54th in yards per play so around the middle of the pack and 50th in offensive SP. Taequann Marshall was named the starter, even though we thought it might be Matthew Jordan who beat us last year. Uh, But Marshall's been a fantastic runner. He started his career as an A-back. He's very fast. His passing game isn't, isn't the threat. It's the rush. He has 870 yards rushing, four and a half yards, a carry, 14 rushing TDs. And he's 47th nationally in QBR because of his rushing. His passing, he's under 50%. He's around 41, six TDs passing, only two INTs, not putting it in the air very much. He's carrying the ball, I think it's 23 and a half times a game. He's only 5'10, like 185 or something like that. He's not a heavy guy, and he's carrying the football a lot. Uh, and he's good at it. They're relying on him a lot to make plays.
1: I'm surprised to your point that he's not injured by now given how much he's carrying the ball. Um but yeah, almost 700 yards passing. That's not where he's a threat, but you know, 6 TDs, two interceptions, that's you know, in the triple option, that's pretty respectable actually. Uh but then almost 900 yards rushing with 14 TDs is pretty incredible. So uh he is the number one threat on the field um, that we're going to have to take care of. And, um, you know, he's been, he's been great for them.
0: The nice thing is against the better defenses, similar to us as Miami and Clemson, they have struggled mightily and he has struggled to run the football against the more athletic defensive lines. And that's kind of because the supporting cast while coming into the year, they were returning a lot of guys but I'm not sure he knows how to incorporate them as a first-year starter as much as Justin Thomas did. I mean, Clinton Lynch, Quay Searcy, we've been saying their names for three years now on this podcast. They're both A-backs and both good players, uh, but they haven't been getting the touches this year that they're accustomed to. I mean, last year, Clinton Lynch had yards rushing and receiving, like almost 10 total touchdowns. He was a really good player. But he's, I mean, he's getting like two, three carries a game. Same for Searcy, uh, same for the freshman Jerry Howard and Cottrell. All those guys, the A-backs and the backup B-backs, they're only getting two to three carries a game. Curvante Benson is the only one with a heavy workload, and he's been very good. He had to replace Diedrich Mills, who was dismissed from the team in the offseason, uh, and he's done very well. He's a sophomore, a stout running back, uh, and he's got about as many rushing yards as Marshall, but it's just him and Marshall are is most of what you're going to see on this offense.
1: Yeah, I was about to say the same thing. Is, you know, I, It's always good to kind of put names out there so you can stare at the back of jerseys and see who's doing it, or at least you know, recognize. And you're going to hear Marshall's name. You're going to hear Benson's name, who's been pretty fantastic. I mean, almost 850 yards and, and six TDs. Ricky June's name may pop up, maybe for a couple of receptions here or there, there, but beyond that, it's kind of offense by committee. You know, everybody else I would characterize as interchangeable in this offense. Um, those are really the only three names that you're likely to hear, and really only two of those um, multiple times throughout the
0: game. Outside of Ricky June, you know, we think our supporting cast of wide receivers has a long way to go. No one else on their team has more than three receptions other than Ricky June, who has 20. That's crazy. I mean, I know it's a triple option team, but that's crazy. They had some good talent at wide receiver coming back.
1: I think against us, either it was last year or the year before, they like to use the pass game as a change of pace and catch people on their heels. And they broke off some serious passes before. That's not really happening that much this year.
0: Yeah, Justin Thomas was one of the best passing triple option quarterbacks that CPJ's ever had. He was a much better passer than Marshall and the other guys to come before them. Their offensive line for Georgia Tech, that's always a key. They're not that great this year. 84th in tackles for loss allowed per game. You don't really need to go into their sacks because it's not a typical offense, but I think tackles for loss per game is still a pretty good judge of where their offensive line is at. And it's, it's in the bottom third of FBS. It's not a great offensive line. The last couple years, uh, CPJ's had a better offensive line than he's had this year. And they are running better than last year. And overall, they're probably about the same. I don't think they're any better or any worse as on an offense overall. Uh, it's just a different dynamic.
1: Yeah. And I think, uh, you know just kind of finishing up uh, on the offensive side of the ball to, to your point about Miami and Clemson uh, and having success there, the triple option is um, it's really about kind of staying in, in your lane and, you know, keying up on, on what the offense is putting out the, you know, you need to be extremely disciplined is probably the best way to put it. And I think our defense has both the tenure from bud foster the tenure from a pretty experienced defense as a whole to be disciplined and that's exactly what you need in the triple going up against the triple option if you can you can deal with not having as much athletic talent if you are disciplined against triple option and i think that's something that we can key in on this uh this game
0: yeah i think it's one of the other two you can be super athletic and have a bunch of big, fast guys, and do okay against the triple option. Or you can have just average players and be extremely disciplined, and either one can have success. But you need one or the other. And I think we definitely have the discipline, but we also have some significant talent on the inside of our line. Trevon Hill is a talented player. And that line, we, we've talked about how good they've been against the rush this year. So I think this is a decent matchup for Tech, especially with how well Bud has done against the triple option in general over his time uh, the last 10 years or however many years he's been going up against it against Georgia Tech. Yep. Defense, what do you got on their defense here?
1: I'm, I'm a little concerned here. So I think their strength of their unit is actually in the secondary uh, in some respects, I and agree. that is not a good sign for <laughs> us. Um, the two safeties, A.J. Gray, Corey Griffin, big guys – yeah, you know, they're, I think they're really, you know, to not use the word too much, but disciplined discipline and solid tacklers. And I think that is going to be the biggest concern. If we had a better rush offense, I would feel better about the game overall, but our strength, if you can call it that in the past game is strength on strength against theirs, uh, from, from what I've been able to tell. I don't know if you agree with that.
0: No, I do. And one of the reasons UVA had success against Georgia Tech is because A.J. Gray, their safety, didn't play. The linebacker, Brant Mitchell, who was a returning starter from last year, he didn't play, and linebacker Terrell Lewis didn't play. And they're all questionable for this Saturday, but they all didn't play last week against UVA, and that's one of the reasons UVA was able to pull off the win. A.J. Gray, like you said, is a good player. Their secondary, it's their strongest group. It's not amazing, though. They're solid players, but they're not – playmaking players they do what they have to do to prevent big plays and that's one of the things that georgia tech has done way better than us and that's prevent the big play but i will say against uva they gave up seven plays that went i think it was 20 yards or more we only had six versus miami so that shows you how many big plays uva was able to pull off on georgia tech so overall they've been a good defense like this season 43 in yards per play, 45 in defensive s I mean, for Georgia Tech, that's pretty solid defense. And with what Paul Johnson can normally do on the offensive side, that can lead to a lot of wins for GT. But it, this team is weird. I don't think there's a lot of good chemistry among this Georgia Tech team. I don't think there's like a winning chemistry yet. Let's be honest. They had Marcus Marshall. Transfer. They lost Dedrick Mills, as I already said. They lost their starting quarterback of multiple years. This team is still building back up. So that's one of the reasons they haven't been as successful in the win column. But it's still a pretty solid defense for Georgia Tech. Their defensive line, I'm happy to say, is the worst unit on the field. And I think that could be a key to victory for us. When I look at who we've struggled against, Clemson and Miami, and offensively, we want to go yards per play basis, Duke. All of those teams had good defensive lines. They really did. And and Duke, Duke, we talked about how many tackles for loss they've had this year. Duke was top 10 in Havoc rate. Well, Georgia Tech is 101st in front seven Havoc uh, and 87th in Havoc rate overall. So, like I said, there's not a lot of playmakers on this defense, and that's going to be a huge, huge bonus for us. I think with the time that Josh should have to pass, Hopefully, we can open up some holes. This is a bounce-back game for this offensive line. They have to play better in this game, and I think this is the defensive line for that to happen.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, what is it, Antonio Simmons uh, has, what, four-and-a-half sacks, six-and-a-half tackles for a loss, and then after that, it's nothing. (laughs) It it falls. There's not really much else going on um, in this front seven, so I agree with you. My bigger concern is just the it's not their talent. It's just the I'm I'm more concerned with us getting prepped up for their offense than I am for, you know, what's gonna end up happening on, you know, our side of the ball. I think we're gonna be able to put up, you know, call it thirty, at least thirty points in this game. Um but that's whenever- a lot
0: considering what we've been putting up.
1: I know. Um, but I, I honestly I, I really feel that way. I think it's a bounce back game. It's on a, a short week and the short week in this particular game going up against the triple option is gonna be the responsibility of the defense to get, you know, in a completely different mindset than you play everybody else the other twelve games of the of the season. The offense it's kind of business as usual. So I think our missing that day on the travel back is going to have more of an effect on us getting prepped up uh, on the defensive side than it is on the offensive side of the ball. I think we'll be able to put up at least 30. I think if we put up 30 points,
0: we'd win this game easily. I'm not as confident as you are in that respect. I think we just need to see a lot more from the wide receiver since that BC game where everyone had to fill in because Cam left. We have not seen anyone but Cam and Savoy make plays in in the secondary. We we just, you know, or down the field. We just have not seen it. And I want to see more from Kuma. I, I don't know where Henry Murphy is. It's nice that James Clark is healthy again, but he hasn't made a play really.
1: Keen didn't have a great game. And no, that includes no. on blocking and on in the, in the pack. Well, he was non-existent. I'm not even sure if he caught a pass but his blocking was terrible too. Um, but no, you're, you're exactly right. Until I see it, I,
0: I'm nervous about us getting over that, that 20, 24 point mark. I, that still might be enough to win this game because I, I do think their, O is not great. It relies too heavily on Marshall to make plays and athletic defensive lines have slow that slow them down. And we have a good combination of discipline and athleticism. And I think, uh, They've only, what, less than four and a half yards per play versus Miami and Clemson. I think we can get close to that. We're we're right up there with those two defenses, so I think we should be able to keep them under five yards per play.
1: Yeah, I mean, we are absolutely right up there with Miami's defense. I mean, I think those two units, their defense and our defense, are pretty – Clemson is a little bit higher level, and that's just – that's because of Venables and because – you know They're recruiting at such a high level, but I think we're on par with a Miami defense.
0: And I have a stat in terms of the rush, since we're going up against a triple option team, we've given up four rushing TDs this entire year. Two of them were against Miami in this past weekend's game. Before that, we'd only given up two rushing TDs this entire year. So we're a good team against the rush, and especially in the red zone. So I want to say that the defense will be able to do their part in this game, If we see that 30 that we're talking about for offense, this will be an easy win. I'm just concerned it's going to be a little bit lower than that.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's this offense is, you know, we we got because of the opponents that we played, everybody got, well, maybe not everybody, maybe just me, got a little bit over our skis and thinking how more mature it was, I guess is the best way to put it. And it's young. I mean, it's a really young offense from uh, the skill positions. You know, I think we have an experienced offensive line. It hasn't necessarily played like that all the time. But um, there's a there's a lot to be uh, developed over the course of uh, this season and into next season, absolutely.
0: All right, let's do a quick beer break before we do our final thoughts and picks against the spread.
1: So what are you having over there?
0: I'm going with something I've had before but I like it a lot and Virginia Tech lost so I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I want. <laughs> I'm drinking the Pennsylvania Tuxedo. I tweeted out a picture of this beer the other day. I haven't had it in 2 years on the podcast. So a lot of our new listeners wouldn't know what it is, but it's a pale ale brewed with Pennsylvania spruce tips and I said before this is like drinking a Christmas tree in the best way possible. It's very earthy in in its notes. And I love it. 8.5% alcohol, Pennsylvania tuxedo. It's only out in fall, one of my favorite fall and winter beers out there.
1: Every every time I hear you talk about this beer, because it's not always on the podcast, all I can think of is um, the dog from uh, Christmas vacation drinking the water from the Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that is me. That is me, right? <laughs> now. What do you have, man?
1: Uh, So I, like I alluded to earlier, I'm having another Aslan uh, beer company. It's the Neutrino Double Dry Hop. This one's 6.2%. So it's not uh, quite as hoppy as the other one. It's got a little bit more of a kind of New England style uh, fruit flavor to it. And it's excellent. Everything that they make that I've had so far, I've had... Actually, a couple of their, they started doing stouts as well, um, has been great. So, can't say enough good things about them, except for the fact that it's a uh, a difficult beer to get. But so it goes. Some of the best ones are, are the ones that are hard to put your hands on.
0: All right, the line for Virginia Tech at Georgia Tech is three points, and we are the favorites. As I said earlier, we are number 17 in the new college football playoff rankings. Robbie, who do you like against this spread? Us GT?
1: This one's rough and I'm trying not to be emotional about it, but I think Virginia tech's going to bounce back and and pull off the three. I don't think it's going to be a blowout whatsoever. I think it'll be a relatively close game, but I think we can beat them by more than a, just a field goal.
0: Yeah. This game has definitely ended, uh, by a two-point margin in years past. I think just uh, two years ago when we won, it was 23-21. So that three could come into play. It's not You're not just picking a winner with that. Yep. I think I'm going to take uh, the points as well, or lay the points, I should say, and take Virginia Tech. I don't know if we'll win by a lot, but I think four points is reasonable. I think we're the better team. I think our defense will stifle them. We have to move the ball in this game and score because GT will play keep away. We, we've seen that happen before. All of a sudden, the game's just about over, and you're like, we had three possessions this half. You can't get down by more than a score, and you can't turn the ball over. If you, if you do that, we'll be okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take us, but I'm, I'm not super confident. I, sometimes one loss gets you two. And I'm hoping that doesn't happen to us, especially with that travel complication that we went through.
1: Yeah, you don't, know, you can't let one loss give you two losses. That's um, that's a great point, and I, I think the resolve is there amongst the coaching staff to be able to keep that from happening. is um, at least my hope.
0: All right, next game, UNC at Pitt. Man, this is a thriller. <laughs> the line <laughs> is nine and a half. Pitt's favored. I'll go first and take Pitt. Who do you got?
1: Uh, I'll go Pitt as well. UNC, I still think they suck. So I'm going with Pitt.
0: Yeah, Pitt's been playing better.
1: Next game, NC State
0: at Boston College. NC State remained ranked. They're 23. And they're two and a half point favorites in Chestnut Hill. I'm going to take BC, man.
1: How crazy is this? Uh, NC State was a dark horse playoff contender, and now they're only a two and a half point favorite mm-hmm. over Steve Adasios Boston College Eagles. Uh,
0: and what I'm, does NC State do well?
1: Uh, yes, I think I think I'm going to have to go with I have to go with Boston College as well. I can't believe I'm even just saying that out loud. Given I thought NC State was going to be really good this year.
0: Yeah, Boston College has one of the best pass defenses, whether you want to go S&P or just straight-up yards per play. They've been really good against the pass, and that's what NC State does best. So BC it is for both. Wake at Q's in the carrier dome, even spread. This is hard for me, man, because that carrier dome, you want to take Q's, but I always take Wake, and there's no points. So it's, it's extra difficult. And I'm going to ask you first since I went first in the last
1: two. I got to go with the Carrier Dome. I, ever since the joke, and then they almost took took down uh, LSU. Back when the Carrier Dome jokes started on this podcast, I, I always have to go with the Carrier Dome. That that place is just, there's no air conditioning. That's what I think it really causes everybody havoc.
0: Well, we're going to be four for four with the same picks because I'm taking the Carrier Dome too. I think Hughes is going to pull it off. Wake just had to play Notre Dame. Playing Notre Dame, I feel like right now is like playing Stanford with the body blow thing. So I'm I'm gonna take cues. UVA at Louisville, this is weird because Louisville is such a big favorite over a what six and three UVA team, eleven and a half point favorite. Louisville
1: at home, U- UVA. So this is the bleach bowl. And this
0: is the bleach bowl, <laughs> man. I'm taking UVA too. I'm not thrilled about it because I do think Louisville could blow them out, but their defense has been so bad that UVA should be able to throw up some points. I, I don't know. Um, seems like it's UVA nice.
1: has to win because if I can, if we, in order to get to eight, right, they need to win. the they have to win their next two they, because they, I can't have them beat Virginia Tech. So I need them. To somehow pull out the next two games to get to eight, and before we play, before we play them,
0: think about how crazy it is that the only reason Miami hasn't clinched the coastal is because of UVA, not because of us. It's because of UVA. Unbelievable. Next game: Florida State at Clemson. Clemson's number four in the college football playoff rankings, and they're sixteen point favorites. I'm
1: taking Clemson. This is going to be a boring pick because I'm taking Clemson as well. Florida gotcha. State is all a, the
0: same. That's crazy, man.
1: FSU is the most undisciplined team I've seen play this year. It's been very bad.
0: Yeah. Clemson's going to take them apart for sure. Next game Notre Dame at Miami. Miami coming off the win against us is number seven now, and Notre Dame's number three again. So, with a three point spread uh, in favor of Notre Dame. This is a difficult one to pick. After seeing that crowd last weekend, which, like I said, really surprised me down in Miami, it's going to be even louder, even more people this next week. But could be a lot of Notre Dame fans too in that stadium. I'm going to take Notre Dame. I think they're a better team. They run the ball so well, and Miami. Miami hasn't been good against the run. So I'm going to take Notre Dame.
1: Uh, Notre Dame, Josh Adams. So it's uh... – Sorry again. That's but, seven uh, straight that are the same. It's Catholics versus convicts uh, all over again, <laughs> and it's relevant once again. And Josh Adams is that good that I think he's going to run all over them.
0: Not sure there's one convict on Miami, but that <laughs> it still stands after all these years. All right, so these are our next three games outside of the ACC. Three top 10 matchups, or sorry, two top 10 matchups and another ranked matchup. We got Georgia at Auburn. That's number one versus number 10. And Georgia is only two-and-a-half point favorites uh, at Jordan-Hare. Who do you got?
1: I'm going to go with Auburn here. Uh, I was was really high on Georgia. And last week didn't really kind of build any confidence for me. I I really thought that they were going to pull out a big win there. A big-er win, I should say. So it's... This is an intense game. I think Auburn shows up and um, you know, maybe pulls off the W here, or keeps it within a point.
0: Auburn is in a wrecking season mode because they can wreck Georgia season and they have a chance to wreck Alabama season, but I don't think it's going to happen. I'm taking Georgia. Next game is Bama at Mississippi State. So we got one and two both going on the road. Bama's 14 point favorites against Mississippi State. I'm gonna take Mississippi State, stark Vegas. I just something about the cowbell. We're gonna we're gonna go with it. I got the LSU pick against the spread last week against Bama, so I'm just gonna ride it.
1: I'm going with. Uh, I need more cowbell. Well, I'll have you know that, but <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with Bama on this one. And the last game, TCU
0: at Oklahoma. That's number six versus number five. Oklahoma is seven point favorites sitting one spot out of the college football playoff. I think this spread is pretty big. I'm I'm kinda surprised that it's seven points since they both have one loss and have both played really well. Oklahoma's defense is a little suspect. I'm gonna go TCU.
1: Yeah, I will go against Baker Mayfield every day and twice on Sunday. So uh I don't this is an emotional pick. I hate him. I love uh, I love Baker Mayfield. I
0: think he's a great player. I I I don't know how he is personally. I think he's a great player. I just think TCU is going to keep it close. I think Oklahoma will win. Yeah.
1: I mean, his scrambling uh against uh when the cops chased him down, uh it wasn't great. So I just it just lets me I think I think if a uh 50-year-old fat uh police officer can chase you down, then uh TCU's defense is going to be able to do the same thing
0: no comment. So we've only got uh, not too many playoff team potential playoff teams left when you think about it. TCU and Oklahoma both with the one loss in the Big 12. You got an undefeated Wisconsin, pretty much the only playoff team from the Big 10 left, potential playoff team. Alabama and Georgia, Miami and Clemson, Washington from the Pac-12 still only has one loss and Notre Dame. UCF is buried so far down in the playoff rankings. Even with no losses, and even if there was multiple two-loss or even three-loss conference champs, they're probably not getting in. But that's only eight, nine teams competing for yeah. those four playoff spots. They're getting eliminated fast.
1: <laughs> well, the UCF is a bunch of bullshit because their their resume I, and people were it's tweeting better about than it tonight. They
0: seem to indicate.
1: Well, it's better than Wisconsin's. Mm-hmm. And they have a common opponent. They both played Maryland. It's insane that, (laughs) yeah. Well, and well, UCF destroyed them by more. And they have a common opponent. (laughs) It's just, I get it. But at least give them a shot. Right now, basically, if there was a team that I've seen over the course of the playoff era that could be in the mix, it would be them and they're not even close. So it basically just says that if you're not Power 5, you're done. There's no chance of ever getting in.
0: Well, pertinent to our game this week, they were supposed to play Georgia Tech. UCF and Georgia Tech were supposed to play second or third week of the season, and it got canceled because of the hurricane. And if they had that win against GT also, which at this point I think they would have gotten, uh, that would help their resume because it would be another Power 5 win. But... They didn't, and they don't, and that's where we are.
1: One more point that you may have seen today, which I thought was very interesting: FSU rescheduled one of their games for the end of the season. Did you uh catch on to that?
0: Yeah, they're going to play it ACC Championship weekend. Correct.
1: That's right, and you know because they want to get to their six wins so that they can keep the bowl streak alive.
0: Oh gosh,
1: I was really I'm hoping not, that is was not gonna even a last
0: weekend because then we could have just been done with this. But now you're right, that's in play.
1: They uh, basically rescheduled it only because it's the I forget who they're playing, but it's a, some shit. It's like team.
0: Delaware State is one of them and then it's yeah. ULM or I don't I don't know who it is, but
1: they rescheduled it just so they can keep their bowl streak alive. Well good for
0: them. We'll see what happens. All right man. And if they lose <laughs>
1: I will die laughing. That would be so good.
0: That would be. Anything seems possible at this point. They have not been a good team. That's going to do it. We need to bounce back. We need a win. I want to get to 10 wins. Really bad, man. I I really do. Even if we get to 9, I'd be okay with that. And I even texted you the other day, lose to Georgia Tech, lose to Pitt. But as long as you beat UVA, I will be okay with this season because we had a lot to rebuild on the offensive end. Of course I want to win more games, but just just uh, it, we can lose this weekend, but don't lose that UVA game.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty important, and uh, there were already some outrageous comments flying around just after this past weekend's loss. I know. The message and boards
0: were a, dis- a disaster, dumpster fire. Yeah.
1: And then if can you imagine what they would look like if we lost against UVA?
0: No. No, I can't
1: and i just as a final thought that from my perspective uh everybody can settle down the indictment on the offense i think is a little premature given everything that we replaced which would be you know basically one of the best wide receivers we've ever had certainly one of the best tight ends that we've ever had certainly one of the best quarterbacks that we've ever had basically every <laughs> every, every you know top offensive player or one of the top offensive players we lost last season so let's all just take it easy and not and you know go overboard on what's happening with this offense there's a rebuild that's occurring and we all got excited i think we got too high and now we're kind of settling into where this offense actually is and the rebuild that's happening
0: and we have played some good defenses i know not everyone wants to talk up duke's defense but Miami and Clemson are good. Duke's solid. BC's solid on defense. And the offense has struggled in those games. Uh, this is not as good as those teams. At, at the very least, it's at the bottom of where those teams are at. So hopefully we'll see a little bit more success and everyone can take a chill pill. Until next week when we're hopefully recapping a win over the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Go Hokies.